What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. With me, as always, from the Hedge Better studio in Braintree, Mass., the CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, what is going on, my man? How are you tonight? I'm doing well, doing well. Another, uh, another week in the books, another weekend of football in the books. Couple of crazy games, I gotta say. It's uh well, okay, it was weekend did sh- it wasn't a good weekend. It was not a good weekend of football. I'm sorry. These these were these games were like there was one competitive game. The rest were blowouts. I gotta say, there there were a couple of games that I enjoyed, and there were a couple teams that I was very happy to see lose. So in that sense, I enjoyed it. I mean, a couple of them were shocking. It was shocking to see what Green Bay did to Dallas or what um you know, a couple of the other ones, but, but what Tampa Bay did to Philly, but right. I mean, they weren't competitive close games. Like some of the years, these games all come, come right down to the end. That was not the case this year. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, there was really only one, I would say one. You know, competitive game to speak of, right. That Lions Rams yep. game. And it was a great one. It definitely like, you know, delivered everything it was hyped up to be. Um, but yeah, other than that, a couple of, couple of interesting games. Wouldn't really call them good games, but definitely interesting. Yeah, that's that's perfectly said. That's exactly right. They weren't good games, but they were interesting games. All right, let's go. We're going to start with the Patriots podcast. This is the uh, time where we break down everything going on uh, in Foxborough with the New England Patriots in terms of storylines. Of course, the Patriots are the gift that just keeps on giving because even though now the games are officially over, there's still a million things to talk about with this team. And Justin, we haven't recorded since the uh, Gerard Mayo hire, the last time we recorded was on Thursday night yeah. when uh, Belichick uh, was announced he wouldn't be back. And uh, things are moving really fast with this franchise over the last couple of days. So a lot of news to get to. But obviously, we're going to start with the opening take, the kickoff to set the table for the podcast. And we got to talk about the Gerard Mayo hire because we haven't actually even actually talked about that yet. Right. And um, I thought we could break that down first. And, and basically... My, my my opening take on this, I I posted um, a column on our Facebook page, which you can find us on Facebook, Dr. Football Patriots Podcast. You can like us or follow us on there. Um, they, I, we got, um, got around a little bit. We got a couple hundred likes, uh, probably about uh, a couple dozen comments on that. But just basically, there are some things I love about this draw mail hire, and there are some things I don't like about it. And overall, my take home about this is that I don't love the move because even though I love Gerard Mayo, I don't think Gerard Mayo is ready yet for this position. And what I really think, and we'll break down a couple things that I think are positives and a couple things that I think are negatives and we can talk about them. But overall, Justin, what this Gerard Mayo hire says to me is that this is a multi-year rebuild. And it's I think it's an acknowledgement from the crafts that this is a multi-year rebuild because Gerard Mayo has absolutely no experience as a head coach, which is the the number one thing that I hate about this hire. He's never actually even been a coordinator before. Uh, he's never been a head coach at any level before. So I think that's a guy that that's going to have a big learning curve and, 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 you know, go from a guy like Belichick, who's 24 years of experience. There was no situation that Bill Belichick didn't know about and know how to handle. And I'm sorry, there's no way Gerard Mayo is going to bring that acumen to these games next year. And and while there might be a lot of positives from having Mayo there, I think there's going to be a big negative is his lack of experience. And 
I think you're going to see it on the field next year. I think it's going to burn them a few times. Uh, Gerard Mayo is is like a, uh, he's like a developmental prospect. He's got all the tools, but he's going to have to go through a learning process. And I think that that's going to probably set us up for um, a 2024 where where Gerard Mayo, like the rest of this team, has to learn and develop. Yeah, I I think expecting anything uh, anything more would be a little crazy, right? Like to your point, like they're really there really is nothing that we can base what to expect off of, right? Like this guy, like you said, he's never been anything really more than like an assistant coordinator. Um, you know, obviously he linebacker was good, coach. Right, linebacker coach. I mean, supposedly, you know, he's got the support of the players. You know, he's a really smart X's and O's guy, really good leader. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, and I don't want to harp on, 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 on spilt milk because it's a done deal. And you know what? I really hope Gerard Mayo will be good. And I do have hope that eventually he can find his footing, um, and establish himself in New England, but there's really not much that you could tell me to justify why we would go out and sign him without even trying to potentially get Vrabel or entertaining, bringing Mike Vrabel in. Like, it just seems like everything that we like about Gerard Mayo Vrabel also checks all of those boxes, plus checks the boxes that we're worried about Gerard Mayo not checking, such as the inexperience. The right, you know, you know what I mean. So, in in in, in, in he's proven he uh, Vrabel's proven he can do this. So I don't know. It it just seemed like uh, seemed like well, you kind don't of a think Mike situation. Vrabel Mike Vrabel learned some lessons in Tennessee that are going to benefit him. You don't think he made yeah. mistakes that that'll be learning experiences. That'll make him a better coach um, wherever he ends up. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We're, we're going to go through that learning process now with Gerard Mayo. So we're going to be the proving ground. We're going to be the place where Mayo sharpens his teeth. And, and I, and I, that, that, that I'd say is the biggest thing I don't like about the hire um, to go, to go through a couple other things. I don't like about the hire. You just hit on, a second big one, which is that th- there was no process like you, yeah. you as an organization. I mean, how does it make sense to not interview anyone else, to not consider anyone else, to not see what's out there? You know, y- you think you might want something and, and the craft should know this because they're not they're They've run businesses before. You think you might want something. But when you, you go through a process, sometimes the process points you in a different direction and the candidate you know, you thought you wanted the school, you thought you wanted to go to the job you thought you wanted. And then, and then when you go through the process, you realize, you know, actually, I think this is a better fit for me. I mean, how many times have we all done that in life? And I just think that when you just jump into this because of a commitment you made, and and apparently the Patriots made this commitment to Mayo last year to keep him here, which is all well and good, but I'm sorry. When, when you, when, when Belichick goes four and 13, and, and everything falls apart. Hey, I think all that goes out the window. And shame on the crafts if they didn't leave a back door for themselves to get out of this, if things didn't go according to plan, which they didn't. I hate the fact that they just jumped into this, that there was no process that led led up to this. Yeah, 100%. And also, too, like, I, I really look at it and I say, like, okay, the opportunity, right? Like, a lot of, I feel like, shifting players, coaches, like rebuilding a roster in, in, in professional sports is is the opportunity. Like you may want a certain player, you may want a certain coach, but are they available? Are they willing to come to you? Like, is, is there an opportunity to even bring them in, right? Like it's all well and dandy to, to wish for something, but this was a genuine opportunity to bring in 
a coach, the likes of someone like Mike Vrabel, with all the connections that he has here, everything just seemed too perfect. Like the, even starting with the fact that Tennessee was kind of probably foolish to let him go in the first place, right? And I look at that and I just say, you know, all that opportunity, all of kind of the stars aligning and you don't even explore it, right? Like that to yeah. me is like, is pretty egregious. The only thing to me that I'm starting to wonder, right, is especially, you know, towards the end of the year, I think we both kind of came around to the fact that like, look, this Patriots team, at least the defense hadn't quit, right? Like that defense was playing tough. They were, uh, they were by all accounts, one of the, still the better units in the NFL, even after their season was, was over, right? Are we kind of getting a glimpse now into the fact that maybe that was not so much Bill Belichick and maybe more so somebody like Gerard Mayo, like behind the scenes, like keeping those guys going. And and, and maybe that led to the, to the, the, the rash decision-making. Well, I think, I think there are some positives and that was, that's probably one of them. Let me just go through my last negative and then we can get into the positives. Yeah. Um, the last negative about, about this hire, the thing I hate about it is that you tell me, What's the biggest problem on this roster? It was Bill Belichick, the coach, or it was Bill Belichick, the GM on this franchise. And the the bottom line is it doesn't matter who coaches this team. They got to rebuild this roster. And I hate this hire. I hate that they didn't hire a GM first because I think it's really going to put them at a disadvantage for getting the GM. And and there was uh, that that can rebuild this roster. And now there's reporting over the weekend that they're not even going to hire a GM that they're going to enroll with Macro and Elliot Wolf, which is like a two-headed monster. Who makes the final decision? I don't know. I hate the fact that they they've hired a coach without hiring a GM, especially an experienced coach. Because who's going to pick the players? Who's going to make the decisions with this number three pick? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. For sure. Certainly frightening. Um, and it just leaves you with a lot of question marks, honestly. Because again, we don't really know. Like. Uh, what the competence level at that, at that position is right now. And I think that's super scary when you got a new coach that's yeah. got the, the lack of experience. I mean, my, my feeling on this whole GM thing was like, I'm, my policy was like ABM, anyone, but Matt Crow. That was, mm-hmm. that was what I wanted. Right. Like yeah. I would even Elliot Wolf, if they, if they said, Hey, Elliot Wolf is the guy I'm okay with that. But I, but I saw, and maybe, maybe there was internal. I mean, there's been reporting on this this week. Maybe there was internal, um, structure that really disempowered macro and that's why the drafting has been so bad the last few years maybe belichick was the bad guy the villain on on that front so to speak but um you know i don't know man macro did not do right with his drafts like his drafts were not good uh he was outspoken about a few players i'm thinking cole strange and taekwon thornton in particular that ended up being total busts um i I don't i i've seen a lot from him to make me concerned that he's now somehow going to be at the top of the uh the food chain in this organization so i really felt like they should have hired a gm first an experienced gm first yeah totally agree and 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 i feel like the other message it sends is like it kind of sends the message that you're you're putting it all on belichick like right like am i crazy to say that like like you this is your opportunity now to clean house and get a fresh start if you thought that was the best direction as the crafts right and what the only the only thing person you're moving on from is bill like that so well, that's you know, it. i mean by keeping by keeping mail and by keeping wolf and grow and they they're offered positions to the belichick right. boys they offered position to bill o'brien they're considering bringing back josh mcdaniel right they're basically telling you 
that Bill Belichick was the sole cause of the state of this franchise right now. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, it's, right. I mean, it's not not so subtle. Uh, you know, when you when you kind of start to read between the lines, it's not. It's uh, not. They are basically saying he he him and his way of doing things was absolutely the cause of all the dysfunction and, and all the failure in Foxborough the last few years. Um, now, all right, we talked about a few of the things that, that we don't like about, about the Mayo hire. You hit on a couple. Let's talk about a few of the things to love about her that we do like about it. Number one is, I mean, by all accounts, Mayo is a brilliant uh, defensive coach. He, he's an X's and O's guy, a smart guy, and he's got the right energy and attitude, it yeah. seems like. like He's just got that charisma. He's got that CEO demeanor, if you will. Like I think he has the right, the right a- attitude, the right energy. He exudes leadership. Uh, I think it's all right to lead an NFL franchise into the 21st century. Like it, you know, I think I think I think he has that sort of leadership energy about him. Yeah, and the players seem to love him, right? Like he's he's clearly yep. a players' coach. Like he got a very positive reaction from the players um, when when he was announced as the coach. And you know, I. I I, I, that may be the very first step, right? Like, you know, you talk about bringing in a guy with experience and, and all that. And I mean, who has more experience than Bill Belichick, right? But at the end of the day, like, I think it really does come down to like other players bought into playing for you. Are they excited to play for you? Like, do you have the complete dedication of that locker room? And I think that's almost just as important as anything else. It, it is. And I think, and I would say that's the second thing to love about this hire is that he is clearly well loved and respected right. in that locker room. And you just judge by the reactions on social media. Like players are excited, they're enthusiastic mm-hmm. to play for male. And I think like we have to remember this is a totally new generation of player. And 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 they really do need, I don't know, like the, the whole idea of just people just coming and doing their job just because they're supposed to. I don't think that really is as much the case anymore now. Like these guys need to feel a certain way and they need to feel a certain energy. And I think Mayo right. is the guy that, that will get the most out of this, this generation Z players um, that, that are coming into the league right now. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It, 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 it really is just a changing dynamic, but you know what you look at, you look at the league the last 20 years and it wasn't the same league that, you know, your, your parents, or your grandparents talked about growing up. Right. So it, it's just the way of the world, the, the dynamics change and the coaching kind of has to change too. No question about it. And I guarantee you this, that, that males appeal will, will benefit the Patriots in free agency this year. I mean, this team's going to have $130 million in cap room. They got a lot of holes to fill. They've got a few key free agents to assign. I'm sure they're going to want to bring in some outside free agents. Gerard Mayo and the prospect of playing for Gerard Mayo, I think, is going to be more appealing to the average garden variety NFL player than, especially the younger ones, than the prospect of playing for Bill Belichick. And I think I think that was clearly reflected in Twitter. Uh, I think there was even one unnamed Patriot player that was quoted to say he wanted to leave and now he wants to stay. So you know that's. That, that's the kind of stuff I think you're going to see this offseason. And then the, the third thing, Justin, that I think you can love about this organization, you kind, you kind of hinted on this too, is that is their best asset is their defense. And I think having continuity on this defense is really this, this team's only calling card right now on the field. There's so many questions on the offense. There's questions in the front office. There's questions up and down the roster. But this defense is an asset. And I think there, any games they win, is, is going to be probably at least initially set up by this defense. So keeping Mayo will allow for that continuity and I think will 
probably keep them competitive in a lot of games next year. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, look, don't don't get me wrong. You know, we we both know that this team needs help on offense in in more ways than one. But a hundred percent, you need to keep that that defensive glue um, that arguably you know kept that team going all year. And in uh, in and, and the defense really is the backbone of this team right now. It is for no, no, know, imagine know. if you bring in imagine if you brought in a guy like Ben Johnson, right? Who yeah. is an offensive mastermind, but he might not know the first thing about coaching defense. And now what do you have next year? Right. You have an offense that's a total rebuild and a defense that is two steps back from where it was this year. That that sounds to me like a three and 14 type team, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I think overall, Justin, um, I, I will say that, you know, I mean, look, I, I think it's going to be a tough year this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I was having a discussion with some friends this week and I, I threw out the idea, you know, if, if the... I know there's a whole off season left. There's a draft, there's free agency, there's everything, but what's the over under total for this team right now for 2024 win loss. You know what I mean? You're probably looking at like a four or five win um, over under total right now. And, and I just bring that up because yes, there's a lot long ways to go in the off season, yeah. but this team has a long way to go. Like what, you know, when we look at how this team's going to be perceived going into 2024, I mean, they're going to have to really crush this offseason to 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 be considered a a, um, a playoff team going into next year. I agree, and you know, I I I do I do though want to maybe look at that a little bit more positively, right? Because like I get it, like there's a long way to go, but there's a there's a difference between getting to a point where I say this team can go win a Super Bowl, and I can say this team can go compete for a wild card spot or even potentially the division, right? And I look at the defense this team has. I mean, yeah, the offense is a rebuild. There's a couple of there's a couple of pieces there that that will carry over, but like look, if they can hit in a quarterback, if they can if they can maybe bring in a couple of pieces in free agency to kind of help supplement that offense, like there's really no reason that with that defense, like this can't be a team hovering around 500 next year. And that should be able to potentially get you into, you know, the, the seven seed depending, you know, here and there. But I, I don't know. Like I, I just don't think it's crazy to say that this team could compete next year with a few pieces. Yeah, I mean, well, the the biggest piece is is the quarterback, That's right? The and, who's playing one, right. Quarter, and who's playing quarterback next year? Because, I mean, yeah, if you go out and you get the next CJ Stroud in the draft, then yeah, you're you're going to be a wild card or beyond type team, you know. But I think where they're starting from is they don't have that guy on the roster right now, and I think that most likely they're going to have a rookie quarterback. They're going to have some kind of bridge quarterback. They're going to have all these kind of pieces in place. I think yeah. it's going to be hard to move the bar up that far unless they get really lucky w- with the draft or something like that. Last question about Mayo, Justin, then we're going to move on to Belichick. Um, you know, is, is draw Mayo set up to fail this year? You think, I mean, that's, I just, I just feel like, I feel like this guy is coming into a tough situation for him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, it does. It doesn't, I don't feel good about it, I guess. I guess. I, well, I guess to answer that, you'd have to, define what does it mean for Mayo to succeed this year, right? I mean, you know, we talk about a new coach coming in, his first first stint at being a head coach. He's got a a team that was in shambles this year, complete offensive rebuild. They're on a quarterback search. Um, I mean, what 
what I guess, what would we consider success for him? Like, I mean, you know, would having a, would hitting on a rookie quarterback and hovering around 500, would you consider that success? Well, let me ask you, would you consider that success for Belichick if he had stayed? If you decide to if replace Belichick your, was seven and ten or eight and nine next year, what would we be saying about Bel- Belichick? You know, yeah, so, I guess, yeah, you know. So I'm just saying, like, I mean, look, you're right. It's not fair to hold mail to that that same curve. But at the end of the day, I, I think this is I think this is going to be a rebuilding year for the Patriots. I, re- I really do. I, I think it's hard for me to see a path. Where, where it's not. And hey, we'll see what they do in free agency. And if they can claw their way back to respectability in one year, a la Houston Texans, right. g- good for them. But but to me, you know, all the writing on the wall says this is a rebuilding year. Uh, and, and uh, you know, when I say Mayo was set up to fail. Um, I, I, I don't mean overall, but maybe just like in this one particular year, yeah. I, I just don't see them being super successful. And I think as, as Patriots Nation, Temper your expectations for 2024. This is a rebuilding year. Like if the Patriots come out this year and they draft a quarterback who looks like he can play and they're seven and 10 and, and they're, they're respectable and in, in late in the season. I mean, now that might be a failure for Bill Belichick, but, but I think that would be a success for Gerard Mayo. I, I think, I think, I guess my point in bringing this up is as Patriots nation, we really need to ex- temper our expectations and, and almost readjust the thermostat, if you will, for what we consider successful. Definitely. Well, look, we're not the old Patriots anymore. I mean, that's that's our past, but that's not who we are anymore, right? We don't have Bill. We don't have Tom. I believe now with 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 Slater leaving, we I don't think we actually maybe Andrews is that the only guy yeah. on there that's won a Super Bowl Jack, with us? Jonathan Jones might have won a Super Bowl. Yeah, potentially Jonathan know. Jones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you, there are fragments fragments of that Super Bowl of that it's, it's Bowl over team, I mean know? it's funny we talk about the Bill Belichick doomsday clock I think for three years me and you on this podcast and now we're past midnight it's the, the bell is rung you yeah. know and it's a yeah it's a brave new world <laughs> that's excuse me that's why I have our background back there because this is back to the 80s and 90s man we're back to the old Foxborough Stadium days like you know we're right back to to, to the way it used to be before Belichick before Brady before anything all right, let's talk a little bit about Belichick, Justin, uh, and what's going on with him. Reporting today, he interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job over the weekend. We all saw what happened with Dallas. We're going to get into that a little more on the, the, the Around the League podcast, but um, we all thought the same thing. I think everyone in New England thought the same thing when we saw Dallas getting absolutely embarrassed, not just losing, because I think Dallas could have lost that game 20-19 to 19 or something. And it wouldn't have been so impactful. But Dallas got embarrassed. They mm-hmm. got completely just like outclassed, outshone in every yep. way. Yep. And I think that was a franchise alter and loss for them. And I can see why they'd want to do something radical, frankly. You know, we're all thinking the same thing, which is Belichick to Dallas. The more I thought about it since Sunday night when that happened, the less and less I think that Dallas actually is a good fit for Bill Belichick. I still think Atlanta is a better fit because. First of all, Bill Belichick wants to build a program. And Dallas is a team that, if they were to move on from their coach, they already have a culture in place. Um, they're they're ready-made. Like, you know, they're turnkey. And I think Belichick wants to take it down to the studs. And and like he did here, his first year here, he brought in 24 new players mm-hmm. and, and rebuilt a culture, build a culture, build a program. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe Belichick's older now and his values and his want, way of wanting to do things is different. But I don't know if Dallas is a great fit for him. I feel like he would have more opportunity to build something with Atlanta. And I would also say if he did want something turnkey, you know, Philadelphia, they might be in the market for a new coach too. I think that would be a better fit for him too. Yeah, I I actually agree with the I, – I think Philly may be – his best turnkey option. I don't think it's Dallas. I don't think it's it's the Chargers. I think both of those those places are, are, are fool's gold. I think the the talent there is is fraudulent. I think the opportunity there is fraudulent. I agree with you. I think it. I think he should either go uh, go to the Eagles or the Falcons. The thing with the one thing with the Falcons, and again, this is kind of like your biggest missing piece, right? Is the quarterback. Like that is yep. a team. Like, look, they have a good young defense that that's rebuilding. That was a defense that took a step forward this year. They got some good components, some good young guys. Clearly, some studs in that offense. Good line, good skill players. You know, receivers, tight ends, running backs. You name it. That team is loaded to the gills. Right? They do not have a quarterback worth the salt. So, you know, it's a catch twenty two. Does he want to go to a place where? The, the all the the pieces are there and the the blank slate is there and he just needs to 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 find and hit in a quarterback and rebuild that culture and he's got all the pieces around him or does he go to a place like Philly where arguably he has the quarterback he's he's got a lot of the talent in place and uh you know it's just a matter of kind of maybe writing the ship I I don't know but I, I think those are going to be his two best options and uh I mean, I think you just hit on the real yeah. the real question because there's no question that Bill Belichick at 24 years ago, like he wanted to take it down to the studs and like rebuild it with right. a whole program and a culture. And I think that philosophically, that's what he would want to do even now. <clears throat> but I also wonder if it's 72 years old, he might be looking for something that is more just like, hey, pit, let, turnkey, let's 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 go something that's already you know 75 percent built and he can just plug in a few pieces. And, and I guess one of the things I'm driving at when I bring that up is, you know, does does, does a 72 year old guy really have the time and the energy and the resources, you know, personally to get into the business of rebuilding a program? Like, you know, he wants to, I think deep down in his heart, but is that something at this point in his life, he really can do like, how long is this guy going to coach for three years, four years? You know, does he really want to get in a situation where he's got to take it down to the studs? And if you're an organization, do you want to bring in a guy like Belichick who is 70 something years old and, and probably has a three or four window year window to come in and like take your program down to the studs and rebuild it? it, it it's a great question. And I don't think there's a right way to answer it because I mean, when's the last time you had a 72-year-old with Belichick's pedigree like available, right? Trying trying to do something like this. So it's like it it's a tough question to answer. I mean, you know, if there was a guy that I would trust to come in at this point in his career, at this point in his life, and and do something like that, you know, I you can't put it past Bill. And if anything, you know, look, I mean, he just basically got fired. Things didn't end well in for, for him in New England. Tom Brady rode off into the sunset to the tune of another Super Bowl. 
elsewhere. I mean, you got to think that this guy's got a fire lit under him, right? And if I'm an organization, I think I take that chance. I think I take the fact that, hey, maybe this there's a chance that 72-year-old Bill Belichick is 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 more invigorated than 70-year-old Bill Belichick like at this point. So, I you know, I don't know. I I don't know what the correct answer would be, but I would say I would take the I would take the risk. But but if you're if you're an NFL franchise, right? And like, you know, we've spent the last 3 years complaining about a lot of the, the 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 antiquated way that Bill Belichick has been doing things in Foxborough. And if this guy, if Belichick comes in and he wants total control and he wants to rebuild your program, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I know I did a 180 on wanting to keep him here, but that was really, I think, for some of the reasons we illustrated in terms of preserving continuity, giving him another chance. And he was our guy. Let's face it. But But if I'm Jerry Jones, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, Look at the performance of Bill Belichick the last four five years in terms of being a GM. This guy comes in and says, "I'm taking your 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 playoff team down to the studs, and I'm rebuilding it." Okay, do you feel like would you feel confident about that? I mean, this guy has been bad as a GM the last few years. Well, let me ask you this: I the more and more I think about it, the less I actually think he's going to be involved as a GM. In the new role, in, in the new place he goes to. I actually think he would go to a spot where he could probably maybe just focus on being a head coach. I don't know why. I have a weird feeling like, because I mean, just like if I'm putting myself in, in, in one of these other team's shoes and it's like, I'd love to take a flyer on Bill Belichick, the coach right now, but you got to be real gutsy to take a flyer on Bill Belichick, the GM. Right. You'd have to be real gutsy. And it's just like, hey, I mean, if Belichick, if Belichick gonna, is Belichick gonna go for that? Is he gonna go for just being just the coach? If I was advising him, I would tell him to do that, right? I would say, Bill, just go coach, yeah. right? Be do what you're best at, do what makes you happy. Let someone else pick the the groceries. You know, he he knowing him, like you alluded to, he may well, he probably wants to go in there and prove. His way, his methods, his 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 way of doing things still works. And he and you know, I have a hard time seeing Belichick not want to be in full and total control. Yeah, and that's gonna be super interesting. And honestly, you you wonder, right? And and don't forget this people are still forgetting. I, I think this is such a sneaky organization that's being slept on right now, and, and, and that's Washington. I still think that 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 they're a Better, better landing spot than some people are giving them credit for, but uh, it basically what but I'm getting. But they hired a GM. That's the thing. Yeah. So you know, it's Belichick has to be willing to to not have control over over the personnel. And it's like you know, honestly, if I was if I was an owner, I would want to hire Bill Belichick the coach, but I wouldn't want to touch with a ten foot pole Bill Belichick the GM. And and, I, and and if Bill Belichick the coach was insistent that that. You also had to take Bill Belichick, the GM. I don't think I would take him, no matter who I was, because I don't think it'd be worth it. And maybe I'm wrong. And I don't think I would either. And, and I think that's what's going to be really interesting to to see is because, you know, we're sitting here talking about what's the best fit for Bill at this stage of his coaching career at this at this at this point in terms of what he would want and need. But realistically, it, it might just come down to which team is willing to relinquish the most control over to him. That That's what I think Atlanta will do. That's yeah. why I still like him in Atlanta. And don't forget, Jeffrey Lurie and Jerry Jones, the owner of the Eagles and the Cowboys, both of them are super tight with the Crafts. 
What do you think Robert Kraft is going to say to them? Jonathan Kraft is going to say to them when they pick up the phone and say, hey, how bad was things with Bill really the last few years? Right. I mean, you read some of these stories and it's like, you know, there was legitimate dysfunction in in the Patriots front office, like big time legitimate division and dysfunction. You think Belichick's going to get a glowing recommendation? Jerry Jones is going to pick up the phone. He's going to call Robert Kraft because they're buddies. And Robert Kraft is going to say, honestly, Jerry, his best days are behind him. I wouldn't touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. We couldn't tolerate it anymore. It was awful. I mean, you know, so do you really want to cede that kind of control and get get into that kind of, get into that kind of a, a deal with, with with Belichick at this point in his career? I think Atlanta is the team that will do it because they're desperate, because they need the big name, because they they they're the furthest away. And I just feel like that will ultimately be the best fit for him. Yeah, and also too, just to throw this in there, I think it's probably if unless something crazy changes this offseason, that's the weakest division in football right now. And that's, that's a great point. You know. So probably one of the best spots for him to go in terms of his chances to to win a division title, get back to the playoffs, try to do something, you know? So just just something to keep in mind too. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, did you see the uh, Seth Wickersham article on ESPN detailing some of that dysfunction in Foxborough? I didn't know. It's, it's worth reading. It's pretty crazy. I mean, this guy Wickersham, you know, first of all, there's definitely a lot of truth in what he's saying, but this guy has a real talent. I mean, what a muckraker. He has a real talent for splicing things up and taking them out of context, context to paint a very negative picture. But I will say, and I would recommend to any Patriots fan to, to read that article because it definitely has some truth and some statement on the function of this franchise the last few years, but I think it's overblown and taken out of context as well. I want to be clear about that. But the one thing that I became very apparent to me from reading that article, Justin, is that Bill Belichick's demise in New England began with his decision to let Tom Brady out the door. Because when he made that choice, when he went to Robert Kraft and he said, Tom Brady can't play anymore, which is one of the things that's reported in the article. And then Brady went out and wins a Super Bowl the next year. It was at that point that the Krafts lost trust in Belichick. And they started to, I think, interfere with a football operation that wasn't working that well. And that had just made one of the worst decisions in the history of professional sports and certainly in the NFL and letting Brady go. That was the beginning of the end. That was the end for Bill Belichick. When he pushed Brady out the door, I think it was all over right then and there. Well, that was when the door shut. The door locked when Brady won that seventh Super Bowl, right? Like oh, yeah. That, Absolutely. And, and, and I think, I, I think you know, you don't have to be a genius to say, hey, what was his what was Bill Belichick's biggest blunder over the last couple of years? It was botching the fact that we had at least another two to four years of the greatest quarterback of all time playing at a high enough level to where we could compete for potentially another Super Bowl or two. And that is something that you know how how competitive the crafts are. I mean, you know how how, how much they 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 enjoyed being the 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 chairman and CEOs of of the the best football organization in the world. I mean, letting Tom Brady go in effectively sending the dy uh, the dynasty into into disarray. I mean, I don't think it takes a genius like like Seth to say, "Hey, 
that's really when he put a target on his back. Because at that point, when you send Tom Brady out the door, you're effectively saying, hey, I was the guy that was responsible for that. You're going to continue to be success and to see success here, and it's going to be because of me. And then when that doesn't go according to yeah. plan, I mean, who else do you look at? And what else do you draw I, from the conclusion? I, I think that, that decision, and, and if you go back, it wasn't just at one time point that Belichick made that decision. It was really something that had, had kind of been happening for four or five years where, you know, you get the impression Belichick was almost obsessed with Brady's demise and being ahead of yeah. the curve on Brady's demise, going back to the time when Brady was like 34, 35. And it was that obsession and that lack of belief that Brady could do it to the, to the amount of time that he did do it, that I think it just set all of this into motion, all this toxicity, all this dysfunction, and really all this failure uh, really comes down to that one decision. Belichick, for a guy who is right about everything else, and for how many years did we did we look at the Patriots and we say, Belichick traded him, and he was right. Belichick didn't sign him, and he was right. Yeah. Belichick, you know, he was always right about getting rid of these guys at the right time. And then finally, it was just like he got burned so bad on that last one, biggest decision of all. He was right 30 other times on 30 other players about pushing them out the door at the right time. But he dropped the ball on the biggest one, and it really ultimately was what set in his, what really cast his fate. I agree, and 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 I, and I want to say I think maybe the the cherry on top, even after, um, you know, in addition to the Tom Brady win, to winning another Super Bowl, is the fact that, you know, he didn't do it like we talked about at the time with this big grand succession plan and a specific guy in place to go out and target, right? Like, it's not like we pushed Matt, we pushed Tom Brady out the door to go get a gen trade up and get a generational talent in the draft that, you know, everyone's eyeing that we just said, Hey, we're just going to strike while the iron's hot. I mean, we got rid of Tom Brady and we experimented with Cam friggin' Newton for a year. Right. Right. Totally. So it was like, it added insult to injury that not only did you move on from the best quarterback of all time, not only was he still capable of playing and winning at a Super Bowl level, but you also did it without a uh, even so much as a, a qualified, rational plan that people could rally and get behind as the replacement. You're right. And I think, you know, if you look back, like what, what was the beginning? The end was Brady won the Super Bowl. The nail in the coffin was was dropping the ball in the Mac Jones pick. Right, right. That was the nail in the coffin. Cause right. then, then it was absolutely done deal. But you know, you look at two of the franchises playing this weekend and this perfectly segues into what I wanted to bring up next. So I'm glad you brought it up, which is that the quarterback rebuild issue. Right. And you know, Jordan love, right. Look at, look at what they did with him. They drafted him. They sat on this guy for four years. The Patriots had the opportunity to do that in 2015, 16, 17. They almost did it with Garoppolo. And then they traded him, what, in 2016? Hmm. And they never replaced him. Um, they could have developed a Jordan Love. They could have developed that. The other side, another approach. You look at what the Buccaneers did with Baker Mayfield. I think that's another approach. They at least moved into something. But if you look at both those teams, Green Bay and Tampa Bay, they both have programs. They both have great offensive talent. They both have, you know, surrounded both their young both those quarterbacks with players, what's here? Absolutely nothing. So they just, Patriots totally just dropped the ball 
on this QB succession plan. And, 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 and it, it's going to really haunt them. I think, you know, now moving forward, now that even Belichick is gone. Yeah, exactly. The only saving grace for these guys look is that it, even though it's a, still a risky pick, you have a good first round pick and you can go and you can get a reasonably good guy with that pick. And that's really, I mean, look at this point, that's all you can ask for. I'd hate for them to be in the point where they had to move on from Mac Jones and they weren't picking until like, you know, the middle or end of the first round. But at least, at least the only silver lining is the fact that you're going to get a chance here to right the ship if you decide to take a quarterback. But you're going to have to really nail this pick though. Big because time. like, you know, like you look at what, again, Jordan Love is the perfect example. And just like the ideal situation that guy came into and and where we're like, he studied under Rodgers for a few years. He had no pressure on him. He never had to come in except for in blowouts and, and meaningless games. They, 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 they surrounded and drafted young talent around him. And, you know, he has a great offensive coach with a good offensive system that he was just able to learn under for, for a couple of years. And now what are we doing with this presumed rookie quarterback in New England? Oh, we're throwing him in there. Um, you know, the, there's going to be $130 million of free agents, rebuilt offensive line. No yeah. reliable wide receivers. The tight ends are going to be gone. The running game, running backs also need to be rebuilt. And you got a new head coach who's a defensive coordinator. So it's just like, I mean, you're right. They have the opportunity to draft someone, but what are they coming into and how lucky is it going to be? How, how, how good of a situation is it going to be? They're going to have to be so lucky to, to, to really hit this pick because it's going to be a bad situation still. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about one quick little subtopic there. Now, now that Belichick's gone, Justin, is there any chance Mac Jones is back next year? No. Is there any way they bring no. back? They're going to get rid of him. Yeah, hundred percent. They got to get rid of him. Backup bridge quarter quarterback. Nothing. No, no. You get rid of him. Get rid of him. Okay. That's what I, say. I say yeah. get rid of him. I don't want to. Yeah, see I, mean, him. I don't want to see him. You want to see him back? No. I don't want to see him. No. 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 Yeah, totally. Okay, one last thought about the Patriot on the Patriots, then we're going to move on to the around the league podcast. Justin, one other little interesting thing about this thing: there's sort of this tug of war, point pointing finger pointing contest about why the Patriots have been 31st in the league in cash spending, and that's consistent. You can look at any time frame snapshot in the last five, ten years, the last two years, whatever. They're at the bottom of the league. And I'm really interested to see what they do this offseason. Yeah. Because I think it's going to really tell you who is responsible for not spending money. If, if it was really indeed Robert Kraft or if it was Belichick, I honestly think it was Belichick. I really believe that Belichick just has a philosophical aversion, okay, to spending big money. And I think he took pride in, in being the smartest guy in the room who understood value. And I just think he didn't want to spend. And I think now that he's gone, I think you're going to see this team start to spend money. Well, they better. I think like I that's the that's the first thing. I think fans are expecting them to start spending money right now, right? Like if they if they continue to be frugal, I think a lot of people would be scratching their heads. Um, I mean, also don't forget too, like the last time this team really did go on a spending spree was right after Tom Brady left, right? And that was like the the last time I think Belichick decided to uh, to open up the piggy bank a little bit, probably because he knew we just he just let Tom Brady go and he needed to do something. It was after Brady won the Super Bowl. It was in twenty twenty one. But right, right, exactly, right. Yeah. So right, exactly. So, they were they were seriously hurting some seriously bruised egos there. So they went on a spending spree in free agency. Exactly. But I I think right now is 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 the time. I think you really gotta you gotta get a 
you got to beef up the supporting cast so that whoever does come in to play quarterback, whether it's a bridge or or, or a rookie, has a, a fighting chance to uh, to get off yeah. the foot. You really do. Absolutely. I mean, they've got to go on and they've got to spend and they've got to spend aggressively this offseason and they need to spend every dime. And I think it starts by bringing back some of their own players. Like, you got to bring back Michael Oneyu. Uh, to me, he's their top priority. I'd like to see them bring back Hendrick Bourne. Um, you know, uh, Kyle Duggar might be a, a tough one, but you start on your, you got to start by taking care of your own house and taking care of these guys. And there's plenty of cap room to do. It. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Got to. All right. All right, brother. Well, let's wrap it up. That's all the time we're going to take on the Patriots podcast this week. We're going to move uh, recording around the league podcast next. Want to thank everyone that took the time that listened to the Dr. Football Patriots podcast. Have a great week and we will catch you next week with another episode. 